In the last episode, we explained what community health centers are and how the CHC movement began. Stay tuned today as we tell the story of how a community health center got its start in rural eastern Montana. Hey all, welcome to The One in Five, the show for those who want to know how to be healthy, how to stay healthy, and how to promote health in your community. I'm your host, Adam Wrench. On today's show, we have Dr. David Mark and Kent Dowdy again with us, and we're going to be continuing in our three-part series about community health centers. In the last episode, we explained what community health centers are and how they began filling in the gaps in healthcare across the country, particularly in rural areas. So if you haven't listened to that episode yet, make sure you go back and do so. Today, though, we're going to be telling the story of how Bighorn Valley Health Center, now One Health, came into existence. Dr. Mark, could you start by telling us how you got to Montana and explain some of your years serving in this area? Yeah, sure. And thanks for having me. Um, I first uh, came to Montana in the summer of 1982. My, my father is a physician, and he decided to spend a couple of weeks um, through uh, Project America volunteering at the Indian Health Service Hospital in Crow Agency, Montana. And this was to be the first two weeks of a Mark family cross-country trip in the back of the, of the Suburban. Nice. So we piled in and drove out, and while my father worked at the hospital, my brothers and sister and I uh, spent time meeting friends and touring around and um, getting to know the area a little bit. Um, so by the time I graduated from high school and knew that I didn't want to go straight into college, um, I decided I wanted to take a gap year. And um, my original plan for that gap year was to go um, work in Angola with some missionaries from our church. But then a civil war broke out, oh. and so I had to go to plan B. Which was? And given that I'd spent that those two weeks in Crow Agency in the early 80s, I figured, well, maybe I'll write, the, write a letter and see if, if the folks at that hospital would would allow me to come and, and spend a gap year, you know, hanging around at the hospital. Did you know you wanted to go into medicine at that point? You know, I, 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 I didn't. Okay. And, um, I, what I knew was that I could, <clears throat> I could drive a, my own van and I could, you know, be in this cool place on my own kind of, and, um, and it would be an adventure. And that's about all I knew. Okay. And so, um, lo and behold, um, Tennyson Doney, who was the, the head of the hospital at the time, wrote me back and said, sure, why not? And so I, I drove out to Crow Agency, and I lived in a, in a student flop house that the hospital had, and they fed me meals, and I, I worked in various parts of the hospital, in the environmental health group and in the fitness center, and, um, and got to know lots of people and, and made lots of friends and was adopted into a family. Um, and so... Uh, Th that that experience loomed large after after I went back to um, to Boston in the the following summer and went uh, enrolled in college. I I 
would continue to come back and visit during spring break or over Christmas or in the summer. Um, and the, uh, that's those relationships with, with family and and friends were what connected me to, to the area. Mm. But I still didn't really think about medicine. In fact, when I graduated from college, the one thing I knew, I graduated with with a degree in biology. And the one thing I knew was that I was not going to go to medical school. Other than that, I didn't really know what I was going to do, but I knew that for sure. Okay. And then eventually, obviously that changed. And, um, as I was working in, in an immunology lab and surrounded by physicians and doing EMT work, I decided I did want to go to med school. And then through the course of my medical education and training, when folks would ask me what you're going to do with your life, which is a really common question that medical students get asked all the time, and I kind of didn't like that question. Um, How come? I, I hadn't really figured it out. Okay. I didn't really know. But, but my answer would be, well, I'm going to go be a primary care physician at the Indian Health Service Hospital in Crow Agency, Montana. <laughs> Boom. And then, then they wouldn't ask me any more questions. And little did you know you were speaking prophetically. And there you have it. Words have power, so be careful. And right, so I, I took a, a National Health Service Corps scholarship in, during my medical training. And, um, and when I finished my residency, it was able to line up um, with Dr. Rob Byron, um, oh. a, a position at the hospital in Crow Agency. I didn't know that yeah. part. Right. So I, I worked with with great colleagues at the Indian Health Service Hospital there from um, 2003 till uh, 2012. Um, and uh, it was, you know, really, um, we, had a, we had a dynamic medical staff, lots of really, lots of interesting uh, colleagues and um, quite a vibrant you know, practice of medicine it was a great place to to um, initiate a practice of medicine after after completing residency because it was really supportive environment and uh, real quick. Did you do primary care or what was your did, was there a specific focus that you had? In? Good question. Yeah, I, I I did my residency training in it's a combined residency training in internal medicine and in pediatrics. Oh, terrific! So it's similar to family medicine minus the training in obstetrics. Gotcha. Yeah. So. So 2003 to 2012, yeah, roughly about nine years. Right. What happened in 2012, or did anything happen before that? What was what was going on in Bighorn County at that time? Was there talks about maybe trying to do something different? Yeah. Well, that what you what you're getting at is really the 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 seeds uh, and the, the germination of the of the community health center that became Bighorn Valley Health Center, which is now One Health. Um, during the late, you know, I guess the late aughts, so 2008 and 2009, um, uh, many of my patients, many of my friends and community members were, were really intensely engaged in, in the question of like, what could be done to maybe augment or supplement the kind of care that's going on with IHS? Are there other models of care that might um, be useful for our community to help improve community health writ large? And, um, and so a lot of community members, you know, it, what began as very informal conversation, um, you know, began to take a little bit more of a, of a form in that um, uh, Ken Pretty on top is a pastor of the Foursquare Church in Crow Agency and Often after um, after church on Sunday, we'd we'd get you know folks would get together and we'd, these conversations would happen 
and became a little bit more organized and a little bit more formalized. Um, one of my um, uh, patients and colleagues was the chairman of the Crow tribe at the time, Carl Van. <clears throat> and he was a, a very influential and connected politician. And many of his, he, he had a lot of, of connections with the, with the Obama campaign. You may or may not remember uh, Barack Obama during his primary came and stopped at Crow Agency. He was adopted by the, by the Crow tribe. And that was because of Carl Van's connections. And so he, he knew that one of the planks of that candidacy was to expand the number of community health centers across the nation. And um, so as this group of community members, you know, asking the question of what alternatives exist, um, as that group began to sort of think more concretely about what could we actually do, we learned through this connection with, with Chairman Van that, you know, this community health center thing might be an option to look at. Mm. So we began to organize more specifically around forming a, a, a nonprofit corporation, uh, becoming incorporated as a, as a 501c3 corporation, getting a, a board of directors from the local community members, and then looking at the process of maybe applying to become a community health center. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, and so, so we did that. Um, the community health centers begin, they get their formal recognition as a, as a federally qualified health center through a competitive grant application. <clears throat> and uh, those happen, those grants happen on a very sort of infrequent, sporadic basis. But we, we heard through this connection with Carl Ann that in 2010, there would be these what are called new access point applications being released. So we started writing a grant and with Dr. Byron and with a number of other <clears throat> folks who, who were a part of this core group of, of rabble-rousers and, and um, community members, we, we wrote an application to become a new access point, a new community health center. Um, and uh, the, what happened you know, from, I guess, 2008 to 2010 was uh, a fair amount of politics. <laughs> and the original mm. plan was to double the number of community health centers and have all this funding. And that plan was significantly scaled back as the legislative process wore on. And so it turns out that instead of hundreds of new community health centers, there were only 60 new community health centers, 60 new access point grants that were awarded. And they all went to existing community health centers. So oh. in that first round, which we submitted in, in, in 2010, we learned in, in 2011 that we were not funded. Oh. So the board of directors from local community members decided, well, let's let's keep meeting and see if we can do what we wanted to do differently, maybe on a volunteer basis or in a different model. Um does that happen often? Like like saying, okay, we didn't we didn't get the funding we needed necessarily from this or that. Do people still push forward and move forward in circumstances? Do you know of, of other instances where that took place? I do, yeah. It's not unusual for the amount of funding that's going to be, that's proposed to be really scaled back and so for organizations to have to think about a plan B. And there are mechanisms called um, a look-alike clinic um, or just operating as a, as a free clinic or as, a, as just a regular clinic clinic doing things in a private practice kind of a model. Okay. So, sorry, I didn't mean to, no, it's to bust in there. Go ahead and, and keep telling the story. So yeah, you didn't so, get the funding. So, right. So that first round we were denied. And so the board looked at alternatives and wondered if there were 
you know, if there was a plan B. And they concluded after analyzing the situation that really the model that, um, that what was then known as Bitcoin Valley Health Center wanted to pursue, which was really holistic, wraparound, integrated care, could not really be done successfully on a volunteer basis. And so looking for this lookalike status or becoming a free clinic or choosing a different path did not really seem to make any sense. Gotcha. So the board um, essentially went into not quite hibernation, but met, met you know, on an infrequent basis. Um, and then in early 2012, um, out of the blue, uh, we got an email saying, hey, you know that, that thing that you guys proposed? Do you still want to do it? Because there's some new funding available. Wow. And, uh, and the board decided, well, yeah, we do. And so um, <clears throat> in June of 2012, we were awarded a new access point grant and, um, and then had 120 days to get organized and, and, and get a and space run. and start serving people. Huh? Right. <laughs> now, thankfully, the board had decided to, to rent some office space in, in, in Hardin. Um, it wasn't necessarily optimally suited to be a clinic, but we made the best of what we could do and, and volunteers sort of put together some, you know, some exam rooms and a waiting room and a little quaint little space. Wow. And that's sort of, that's sort of how it began. So real quick, how many, how many people were like on staff, I guess you would say when you guys opened doors? Yeah. So the, the, the first patient was seen on October 1st of 2012 and the total staff was 12 people. Oh, wow. Yeah. So we had, we had four different clinicians. We had Paul Murder, Nicole Turnsplenty, Rob Byron, and me. And you. And um, we had uh, some great folks at the, at the front desk. Um, Danielle Shoppy is still with us to this day. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it was, it was a much scaled down operation, but we had everyone that we needed and sort of started seeing patients and getting to work. Four providers, though. Is that something that's normal when you open a clinic? What do you think, Kent? No. Yeah, I was going to say like... Single. Single provider typically in a lot, of, you know, in the rural frontier. For sure. You're, start, you're starting out with this skeleton crew. One or two people maybe at the front that have other duties as assigned. I mean, sometimes it, it might be you're the intake person and the MA. Correct. And you might have a nurse that's working you know, working part-time and, and maybe a provider. And if, if you're, if you're, if it's one provider, it may even be part-time. I mean, that's how a lot of the Montana, you know, CHCs started. Wow. And, and, and to be clear, uh, you know, Dr. Byron and I were both very much part-time clinicians with the other part of our time. We were, you know, pulling ethernet cables or, or painting or building walls or moving furniture. <laughs> so we had other duties as assigned, as you mentioned. For sure. Yeah. Which is common. Yes. <laughs> yes. And thankfully, you know, we, we're very much, um, we as a community health center are part of a, of a, of an association of community health centers in the state of Montana, which is very collegial, very willing to help. Um, the motto is steal shamelessly and share recklessly. <laughs> and we took advantage of that as much as we could from day one. So we had great support from across the state in terms of how to get going, and how to get organized. Well, that's, 
that's a great story, man, on how it got started. Can you walk us just a little bit up to the point where, I don't want to give too much away, but where conversations started with you and Kent? Yeah, we, um, you know, so so in the early years, for the first few years, a lot of what we were trying to, a lot of, of what we had to, to do was to just figure out how to, how to operate as, as an organization. How do you, how do you, how do you do billing? How do you do coding? How do you, how do you get an electronic health record going? How do you set up a network? Um, how do you get a lease? How do you evaluate contracts? How do you hire people? How do you do payroll? So it was very basic questions, which for us were, were all brand new. And what you're saying is you didn't know that coming in. You had a probably a rudimentary idea. I would say that thankfully we were blissfully ignorant. Oh, geez. We were sort of stumbling into this and just trying to figure out as we went. Uh, building the airplane as you fly it, so Absolutely. to speak. <laughs> Absolutely. And, um, and I think that really served us well because we, we had, a lot of us had been in organizations and in, in previous situations where there was a, there was a, a, a real tendency to, to have a, um, you know, the answer is no. Sure. And so we, uh, we were very keen to, we had, we were full of ideas, mind you, and we wanted to try to see if we could make these ideas work. And suddenly we found ourselves in a situation where we were sort of, we could do what we felt was best and what was right within the constraints of the, of the program requirements and the compliance and the rules we, ha- we were given as a community health center. But we had a lot of, of freedom to be creative and to try to think about really being innovative when it came to addressing these issues that lead to to health. And so you were able to really take what was in the heart, which was the mission that, that began this and, and make this uh, something that was going to be able to run effectively based on that driving force. Is that sort of, what I'm hearing you say a little bit too. Yeah, I would say that we were filled. We were very blessed with very mission-minded folks. That those those initial twelve were really really had completely sort of bought into the mission of the health center and had a vision for what we were wanted to accomplish, and were very eager to take on challenges and willing to go above and beyond as needed to make it happen. Um, okay. Not to say that we did things correctly all the time. We 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 learned we we learned a lot by failing a lot. And hitting walls a lot. <laughs> this I'm very familiar with. Yes. <laughs> right. In fact, what we're doing right now, I've learned a lot through <laughs> failure. Yes, the best teacher of all. And a great coach in Abel. So. <laughs> Absolutely. Cool. So, so 12 has now led to a lot more than that. Um, and uh, I guess I don't want to get too much into what we're going to talk about in the third episode. But I did want to say that I came on in 2016. So that was four years after. And I remember calling you up and saying, would you be interested in sitting down and having a cup of coffee with me? Little did I know that um, that was the right thing to say to him. Do you want a cup of, you want to get a cup of coffee? Dr. Mark loves coffee. Um, because I was looking, I was in a transitional uh, place in, in my life and was looking maybe for different employment. And 
and I picked your brain. I, I just asked you literally these kinds of questions, like what I'm asking you right now. How did the health center get started? What are you guys all about? What do you guys want to do? What do you guys want to do for this community? And uh, uh, you weren't salesy in any way, just like you haven't been like here in what we've been talking about, but was were able to, to really vocalize, verbalize um, what it is that you guys wanted to accomplish. And, and I... I really liked that idea. And I remember asking you, like, so do you, <laughs> do you need any help right now? Do you remember that conversation? Oh, absolutely. Okay. You know, and as you know, and as you've seen through the years, we're always looking for good people. And, um, and often we find that, you know, if we have good people, the, the right positions will, will sort of create themselves almost. We'll sure. find a place. Um, because here in, in the frontier, we can't, we need all we need all hands on deck. That's right. We need everybody, and so we are always on the lookout for for good folks who who understand the vision, who are committed to the mission, and who want to be a part of 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 the change that we're trying to make. Cool. Well, when I came on, we were I think we had about forty people that were on at that time. That included Ashland as well. I came on with Ashland, but we'll touch more on that in the next episode. Um, so there you have it, folks. That's how. Bighorn Valley Health Center came into existence. Um, I hope you guys enjoyed this episode, this story uh, that was told here. And I hope it gives a little bit of insight into how these things happen. That was sort of my goal for this was I wanted people to, to, to get an idea for how community health centers get off the ground, how they get started. And it's really grassroots, at least in this absolutely. In, in this way. It was a really grassroots um, way. It started with people who, who, who said, um, we'd like to see something different. And it led to this. So I hope you guys uh, were entertained and enjoyed that story from Dr. Mark. Thanks for joining us for this episode of The One in Five. If you found this content beneficial, please follow this podcast. If you listen on Apple Podcasts or a platform that allows reviews, would you leave us a review? If you have any questions or would like to suggest a topic for us to discuss, you can email me at adam.renshaw at 1chc.org. Stay tuned. We have some great health topics coming your way.